0: of A wonderful series because we did the first episode just now and we ran out of time and we didn't even get a chance to finish all the things that Ryan had prepared. So we decided let's split this in two so we can give you the real meat. Now, Ryan is a high-performance coach, he's an author, he's a speaker, and who guides people to reach the full potential in their lives, businesses, and teams through his proven method of intentional growth. And that's one of the reasons why I wanted to have him on this podcast, because if you're going to grow your business, it needs to be intentional. He's a former EPSN academic All-American baseball player who became an entrepreneur who tried to do it all on his own and became one of those statistics where his business failed. But, you know, as he reflected and you learned from it, he joined a very successful startup and that has made all the difference. So if you want to hear his full story though, you can go back and you can listen to the previous episode uh, with him on. And he, that's where we're going to share a story. But in so, first of all, Welcome, Ryan. (laughs) Thanks for having me back, Kim. (laughs) I could just keep talking, you know. It happens some days. (laughs) I enjoy it. (laughs) So on the, the first episode, you know, you shared your story, but you started to teach. And one of the things was about being intentional in your business. And you started off with talking about having a board meeting with yourself. So at least once a month, getting away, whether... You know, it's going out for a walk, but it was setting aside that time to be intentional about your business and to ask yourself those questions. And I thought that was so cool. And then we ended up talking about boundaries as an entrepreneur and about finding your tribe and community, your mentors, your coaches who are going to help you and support you in this business. So did, did you have any other additional thoughts on that just before we get into, you know, the other two points you wanted to cover today? No, I think we had a good conversation around that, and people want to hear more. They can, you know,
1: listen to that first episode and uh, hopefully gain something from it. Awesome.
0: All right. Well, I'm going to let you loose, Ryan, and I okay. want you to you can start sharing about your two other points that you had prepared.
1: Okay. So I had three points prepared of how to be an entrepreneur. Set goal setting. One was was the high level was to go off and create a board meeting with yourself, ask the really intentional questions of where the business is going to be going. So the the, the second one. Is that as a business leader, the business can only go as far as us as a leader can take it, and so if we ignore our own personal growth and try to grow our business, our our eventually we will plateau our business. And so my second point is is talking about the four methods to actually how do you intentionally grow yourself so that way your business can can grow as well. And so briefly on these, and we could talk more if we want to, Kim, on this one. But there's four main ways to intentionally grow the first is you got to take time to dream and the psychology of this is called visualization and this isn't quite like the secret where you put stuff in the universe and it comes back to you but there is a piece of the neuroscience around this when your brain can visualize in detail what you want around your life you start to create the neural pathways your brain automatically will create the neural pathways to establish the path to achieve those goals Yes. And so we talked a little bit this about the board mute yourself and asking those good questions. We need to do the same thing with our own personal lives. Because as an entrepreneur, one of the things I think most entrepreneurs, including myself, really value is the freedom that mm-hmm. entrepreneurship and having your own business can have. But if we're not intentional with that freedom, we're not intentional about what we actually want in our life and stay focused on it and dream about it, we may fall into a trap that we don't even want to be in. Well, well that's it's, step it's one. almost
0: like this subconscious thing that, yes. you know, when you're focused on something, your brain finds a way to make it happen
1: yeah it's it's science it's actually proven psychology by neuroscientists and it's they they call it visualization it, it, your brain actually does the work for you without you even knowing it what's what incredible our brain is and then
0: you're like wow like i don't understand how all these things happen
1: <laughs> yes that's exactly right which is like why people buy into the visualization boards and the secret boards right like I don't, I'm not a believer in that because I think you're missing a lot of steps, but I am a believer in the idea that that is stretching your mind to actually think in detail of what you want in your life. And that is gold that I wish everybody would stop and actually pause and think about what they actually intentionally want in their life instead of just doing what's in front of them. So true. So true. Step the second away. way that we grow. Yeah. So the second, the second way as part of this is you have the dreaming, right? But now we need to make it take a bridge to change. So we actually need to do goals and we need to set goals to this. However, here's what the science will say to us. Only 8% of people actually achieve their goals. Wow. So 92% of people do not achieve goals. But why do we keep on talking about smart goals? And in my opinion, smart goals by itself just don't work because goal setting by itself just focuses on the outcome and not on the process of continually improving yourself to get there. You can't just enter a football game or a soccer game and expect the scoreboard to say a number. You've got to actually develop yourself to be good enough to win the game. Yes. And so the second one is important. Goal setting is important, but not by itself. And yeah. so we are going to take our dreaming. We are going to set goals around that, around what we want to do in our life and our business and our lifestyle and our family and our health in our emotional intelligence and we're going to come up with three goals as my per year and we're going to break those down like you normally would into quarterly goals and monthly goals. <clears throat> so nothing new here. But the thing is the third part is really the, key, the secret sauce because goals by itself will not produce the outcome. Yes, You have to develop yourself. And so what I call is, is you have to establish daily disciplines. Now these also can be called habits if you want. And, I don't know if you had anybody talk about how habits are forming in our brain yet, but if not, I would love to share with your audience. Sure. Go for it. Okay. So the, so how habits are formed. So we, we have our prefrontal cortex and that's the front of our brain and that's where all critical thought happens. So anything you think about is happening in the prefrontal cortex. So when we have a goal when we have something we want to do, let's say we want to read 20 minutes, three times a week, right? The idea of, okay, I need to sit down and read that happens in the prefrontal cortex, And then our brain will send a signal through a neural pathway to the middle of our brain called the striatum. Now the striatum's job is to perform the action. That's it. So we think about it. We send a message to the striatum. The striatum performs the action. And because we form the action, we get dopamine. And dopamine is great. Dopamine can be used for bad, but it also can be used for really, really good habits too. And so all of a sudden then we have this pathway. So we thought about something, we did it, and we feel good about it. Now, the more we do it, the more that neural pathway expands and the quicker these signals are sent. And all of a sudden then our striatum and dopamine reaction will start to perform by itself based on environmental cues. So what that means is that we don't have to think about it anymore. And that is a habit. Mm. And, and so it becomes a habit, a natural thing that you do. It's part of your morning routine or it's part of whatever you do. That's a habit. So we talk about this as taking our goals and establishing daily disciplines around it. Now that is the development that we need to do in ourselves to achieve that goal. So it could be reading 20 minutes. It could be carving off, like I mentioned last episode with the chef, the restaurant owner, carving off once a week for three hours to, to create masterpieces of his food. And so what he's doing is he's creating that, habit or that discipline in his life to really develop himself to hit his goals of being a master chef. And so that, that's part of the way our brain works. Now, once we reach a certain level and it becomes a habit, then we have time to level up and we add the next piece in there. What, what is the next thing I need to do in my business and I level up? Now, that's momentum building. That's block building. And that's how our brain wants to be, wants to work because theory it's a theory of the brain that our brains are wired through all the history and evolution of the world to avoid pain and seek pleasure not rocket science so if we start to accumulate wins and start to build habits and momentum in the direction we want to go our brain loves that and wants to seek that pleasure and it'll make it easier and easier to do it and so that's kind of the, the whole secret sauce of the daily disciplines and so that's three out of the four we have dreaming we have goal setting but that doesn't work by itself. So we must establish daily disciplines and that's the day in and day out work and habits and growth that we we continuously improve upon. Now the last piece I find to be very valuable is actually the hardest piece people can get to do. And it is the science will tell us is that if you just set goals and you sit down and you actually talk to somebody about that, you have, you go from an 8% to 65% huge leap. However, if you sit down and only talk with that person one time, you have a 65% chance to achieve your goals. Okay, good. But what if, if you sit down and you have a recurring conversation with somebody about your goals week in and week out, the science will tell us we go from 65% success rate all the way up to 95% success rate. And so the last piece of this is establishing what I call a growth partner or growth partners is people you meet with weekly, and you talk about your wins, losses, and your learnings with them, they talk about, and you're there to encourage each other. Yes. And what the science of brain will tell us is when we actually share wins again, we get the same emotional feeling when we share wins again that we had in the moment. And again, we talk about pleasure seeking in our brain and momentum building. And so the growth partnership is the last piece of this being on an island by yourself is really hard especially as an entrepreneur because you are inherently by yourself as the leader of the business so finding other people that are peers to be a growth partner that you can share with that's the last piece of this
0: that's amazing that's amazing and you know what i've learned too is is that you know as i as i bring other people in is they have strengths that i don't and they think about things differently now you know my husband and i are very opposite to each other probably like black and white. But, <laughs> and so it's been very interesting in our marriage at time. And we're coming up to 30 years. So just telling oh, you. Wow, congratulations. But, you know, we've learned to find the common ground. But one of the things I appreciate about him is his unique way of thinking about things. He, he sees things so differently than I do. You know, it, it challenges me, but it also gives me such a, a, a great perspective. So I'll, I'll give you an example. Last week, Uh, my daughter locked her keys in the car. Now, supposedly, you're not supposed to be able to lock these keys in the car, but she managed to lock these keys in the car. My husband was at work, and uh, she needed to be somewhere. And so, you know, her and I, we get out the coat hanger. We kind of managed to figure out how to get that coat hanger in through the window. And we're trying to see if we can lift the lock. Mm -hmm. And no, we just, we could not lift the lock. So I had to change my whole schedule. I dropped everything because her purse was in the car. See, if her purse wasn't in the car, she would have just taken mine. We would have unlocked it later. But I was like, okay, no. So I changed my schedule. You know, we worked it all out. So the next morning, you know, my daughter's going to tell my husband, and he's like, yeah, but instead of trying to do the lock, why didn't you just take the coat hanger over and push the button that unlocks all the doors? (laughs) And we're like, yeah, (laughs) when I looked at each other I'm like yeah neither one of us thought about that right but he has this unique perspective and I think in business you need to surround yourself with people who think differently than you do absolutely and not be threatened by it right um I've learned that in my business the same with my book project manager okay like we've been best friends for 35 years but we recognize two things well we recognize lots of things about each other but you know, she's very methodical. She's got to make lists. She's got to write everything out, you know, before she starts. And I'm like, <laughs> okay, this needs to be done. Boom, bam, let's go. I'm going to throw you off a list. Let's move it, right? And so, you know, there's times where like, okay, she's had to learn that to go with the flow a little bit, and I've had to learn to slow down. But what, I've, what makes it work is, is that I'm not trying to make her do things the way I do it. I accept the fact that she does things differently. And to me, as long as the job is being done and it's being done properly and ethically and more morally, um, why do I care how? I think sometimes as an entrepreneur, we get so bogged down that things have to be done our way. Well, they don't. Mm-hmm. Sometimes people can come up with a whole lot better ways to do things. If we if we let them have the freedom to be able to do it in the way they need to do it and they can be successful at. That's right. And like if
1: I put it back into the formula, right? You- You guys are dreaming together in the business. You have goals around that. How she wants to develop her daily disciplines is up to her because you're going to get to the end goal, which is the goals. And then you inherently have built in the growth partnership already, Kim. Like you have your husband and you also have her as a partner that you guys can share wins and losses. You can talk openly and vulnerably with each other. It's like no wonder your business is thriving. I mean, you're doing the process of growth. It's wonderful.
0: The other thing I've been doing, too, is um, building a tribe of people who are sort of at the same level of business that I'm at. And uh, we're forming a group of, of like a mastermind group where we help and yes. support each other. I was had the honor and privilege of um, I'm part of a group with Kyle Wilson, who was who was Jim Rohn's business partner for 18 years. And uh, he was talking about, you know, you don't have to build wide. You can build small and deep. And that like really that. got me thinking about some things. And so some people that I've been really connecting with over the last year, I just started contacting them saying, you know, let's make this a little bit more formal. Let's get together once a month and, you know, just have those conversations because every time we'd be talking to them, like we're all helping each other, like we're all giving each other ideas and, and things like that. So it's kind of like, yeah, let's, let's formalize this a little bit because you do, you need people who understand where you're at. And, and, and you, you have your first one yet? Me? Have you me? Have you had your first mastermind meeting yet? No, not yet. It's probably going to be next week. So I'm, I'm oh, really cool. looking forward to it. But these are three other women that I've gotten to know really well. And so I think it's going to be really, really exciting for us. So that's pretty cool. All right. You have one more main point that you wanted to share with us today. Yeah. And this is more the practical, tactical side of the business is
1: it's day in and day out. We can get bogged down with the not important, not urgent stuff because sometimes it's more fun <laughs> and so my last piece is being intentional each day about the actual tasks that you're going to do and and understanding you know there's a whole thing about eating the frog first but doing the stuff that's really important to your business each day as well yes we have tactical stuff yes we have stuff that we have to just get done but the also a piece of that is what is what is your master of like what is a special sauce that you bring to the table and how do you carve intentional time to focus on that every day or every other day? And so there's a tactical tool I want to give to your audience. And I know probably a lot of people may have heard this, but let's just talk about it. It's called the, uh, the Eisenhower four quadrant piece. Mm-hmm. And so you have four quadrants that you put all the work in. And so I use this sometimes when I get over, overwhelmed. I'll use it. and I'll just start writing down these four quadrants and it brings clarity to me. So the four quadrants. so on the top right you have not urgent but important Mm. okay and so that i'm sorry in the top right you have urgent and uh really important so that one's an easy one you got to do it whatever it is you do it right now that's a fire they're rare but you got to do it so on the top right you have urgent and important obviously do it okay so the bottom right, you have urgent, but not important. And, and that's the piece that you could probably delegate because it's not that important, but it's urgent. And so yep. your time as the entrepreneur leader is so valuable that is it really worth the time for you to answer something that's not important? Probably not. And so that, that's, the, that's that quadrant. So that's the, they say delegate that. And if you're, if you're a solo entrepreneur, then just carve off time, you know, in the afternoon or whenever your brain needs a rest and just do it, just grind through a 20 or 30 minute cycle and just get through those, uh, not that important stuff that you just have to get done. Then you have bottom, bottom left, not important, not urgent. They say do it later. I would even argue like, do we even do it at all? Because if it's not important, and not urgent, why are we spending our time on it? Yes. And then the, the last spot, which is the really important one. We talked a little bit about this, but it's your top left it's important but not urgent and that's the secret sauce that is the one that is probably where your mastery is at that's probably the one that's your special stuff that you bring the table and the challenge that myself and other people i've I've coached is that because it's not urgent we don't intentionally make the time to actually do it Mm. and it just drags on and it drags on and it drags on until we say you know enough's enough now this is actually really urgent and really important and that's the last minute. It's not what we get our most creative work at. And so as we think about this, as we get overloaded, overwhelmed and overloaded with stuff, just simply put a little four quadrants on a piece of paper and start to just bullet point out where everything will fall and bring clarity to it. Yes. And obviously do the urgent and important first, which will probably be one thing only. But then look at what is that important thing that's not that urgent. And how do you start carving off time to create the space or create the meaning yourself or creating the discipline to start to actually focus on that stuff because that is your secret sauce that is what's going to really move the business forward and i think kim you kind to of tell some stories about writing your own book and just some of the delegation you've now gone into of this have you heard of this quadrant before and if so how have you utilized it
0: i haven't heard it specifically that way but i have heard you know the most important tasks are a b c you know that mm. type of thing But as you were talking about that, it got me thinking about one of the biggest revelations that in the last episode, I talked about going to this one day conference and all the things that were triggering me. And one of the ones is he talked about procrastination and delegation, and it really triggered all of my buttons. But the main point of it was, let's say you, when you're doing what you're really good at in your business, you can earn $50 an hour or a hundred or whatever right? But you're focusing on tasks that, first of all, you hate doing, you're not really good at, and takes you five times as long to do because you're not very good at. But you could pay someone, let's say, even 15 or $20 an hour to be doing those things that you're not good at and waste a lot of your time. So if you can be making $50 an hour and pay someone 20, you're still making $30 an hour and the workload is being doubled because they're getting done and you're getting done. See, as entrepreneurs sometimes it's like, Oh, I can't afford to bring anybody on. You can't afford not to bring somebody on. And here's the thing, like, you know, you don't have to bring them on as a full-time employee. There's a lot of freelancers out there that just kind of become part of your team. I have a whole team of freelancers, writers, editors, graphic designers, formatters, you know, uh, and we all work together, and they all work from their homes, you know, like we're all, we all do this together, and so it's become a real benefit for me, because it frees me up to do the things I really need to do in the business. Now, sometimes, and my book Project Manager has to remind me, because, you know, the last few days, I had a health thing that's been kind of going on, so she, you know, we'll talk about stuff, and I'm like, oh, I can do that. She's like, can you? Well, yeah, maybe I can put it off to somebody else. (laughs) I like that. Right. So she calls me up on the carpet. She's my best friend. She can be brutally honest with me. Right. And I'm like, yes, you're right.
1: (laughs) It's like the same, the question you ask yourself, like, yes, I can, but should I? I mean, Mm -hmm. you know, like if I hire a graphic designer, this is what they do. This is like what they should be doing. And it's going to look better than what I'm doing. And yet I can afford to pay them because what I'm doing is... For me, another coaching session or a mastermind group or wh- whatever it is, writing content. like That's my, my bread and butter. And so,
0: like, can I? Yes.
1: Should I? Hmm, probably not. Well, and that's here's the delegation. The
0: thing, like, if you really break it down, you know, like, let's say that you're not good at accounting. Right? I'm really good at accounting. I hate it. I'm really good at it. Actually, I'm so good at it that earlier this year, the beginning of the year, my accountant was overwhelmed and business was kind of slow. So she hired me for a short period of time to come help her do data entry because I'm really good at it. But I really don't like it. So now, you know, things have picked up. So now I'm getting everything ready to ship to her to do it because I just don't want to. And and because of too, it takes like so much time, right? Like it's something that takes a lot of time in my business. And now I can't remember the point I was going to make. <laughs> Uh, we're talking about
1: can you and should you.
0: Oh yes. So you know, can I do the counting? Yes. Should I? No. And and here's the thing. Eventually, you will get so overwhelmed that you can burn yourself out. Yes. Right. And you have to be aware of that. And you know that's something that I've you know been taking the last few years and try to focus on because I do I get burnt out. Now. Thankfully, I don't get burnt out as bad as I used to in the past. I start to recognize it sooner. You know, my manager starts to recognize it and starts harping me on it. Yes, I said harping, but she loves me and I love her. But it's like, yeah, I know. She's like, no, yeah, I know. Yes, you're going to change. Yes, okay. I'm going to change. Right. But again, she's my been my friend. She can be brutally honest with yeah. me.
1: And it's, it's it's part of that too is understanding. You know, I'm I'm a big believer in uh, strength finders, the personality mm-hmm. assessment. There's tons of personality assessments, and the reality is like they're they're good for awareness, but until you put in the action, it into action, doesn't matter. But for me, like I understand my strengths of strength finders, where I get energy, where I operate, where I should be operating, and I and I sort of have to ask myself that like, okay, I'm feeling drained today. Why? Well, I'm doing stuff that that is not in my strengths and could I and should I sometimes it's yeah I have to actually do this other times it's like you know what this is time now to pass this on and let me get back into my strengths and and as entrepreneur we should be doing like our main business should be in our strengths or you're not you're going to get burnt out yeah and that's what we get energy that's where we start to get that momentum and again our brain seeking pleasure for the hedonic theory right like that's that's what it's all about it's working with
0: our brain not against it. So Ryan, we've got a few minutes left. We, we, I want to get to your book. So tell me about your book and what the writing process was like for you. Yeah,
1: so the book for me is basically the practical application of this intentional growth model. So it's taking knowledge plus putting action into it or discipline is what leads to growth. And it's been for me the journey of my whole entire life leading up to where we're at today. And so I talk about the four stages and then there's a practical like it's like a guidebook you actually write in it of how and you start doing it per quarter so the first third of it is the writing the science the psychology and then the second and third thirds are actually a, a written guidebook for yourself to develop yourself and so it's a 90-day book that I do and and so uh that's the book the writing process for me was this is the first time I've written a book so it was i Kim you probably can imagine what I'm going to say but it was uh Much, much more difficult than I thought, took much, much longer than I thought, and so much more energy, uh, but it's
0: really rewarded the end of it. It, The book becomes a part of you, and it's it's almost like being pregnant, right? And people think that you can just write a book and it's easy. It's not. Mm -hmm. And I say to most people, like we have done books usually, we have done some books in around the six-month period, but most of the books we've done are 12 to 18 months, because by the time, see, when you're beginning the book, you know, even someone who's really strong, sometimes you're just not 100% sure, but you don't know what to change till you get a good half of the book written. So, you know, you have to just actually start getting into it, and then you can go back and you can revise it. There's editing, you know, proofreading. There's things that need to be done, and you grow during this process. And sometimes you just have to step away from it for a short period of time, you yes. know? Um, and, had, and,
1: get, and get a team yeah I did it by myself with my, my wife has a master's degree in English so she was my editor which I'll never do again for our sake of our marriage good for you <laughs> yeah we learned that the hard way um, and then I had a designer and some other stuff but I like I have the second book that I'm thinking about it's gonna be more of like a principle based with stories like a real a real book um, not a guidebook that I'm starting to develop the outline for now but I am already thinking about okay now What's my team going to be? I'm not going to do this by myself anymore. Because again, all the things we just talked about, but yeah. I know that now that I've been through it is like how important a team is when you're creating a book. Yes, your name's on it, but gosh, there's so much that goes into that that I had
0: no idea. Yep, yep, for sure, for sure. I had um, one lady, see, like, and there's different types of books too, right? Like, um, one lady, the book we did for her, she was telling her story of it escaping um, Sharia law in Pakistan and having to run for her life with her two kids to the United States. And that was a very emotionally draining book. And we had to take times where we just stopped working on the book because it was just emotionally way too much for her. Like it was dredging everything up. Right. So now she's reliving all of this. Right. So, you know, when you're writing your book, it's okay to stop for short times. You know, you don't stop forever, but there's times you just sometimes need to take that break. And that's important too, but you always have to have the game plan. And that's where your accountability piece comes in, right? It's okay to take that break, but have that accountability piece, have that someone, you know, cause we'd let her take a break. But then after a little bit, it's like, okay, you know what? Time to get back into the book again, right? You've had some time to process, you know, we talked about what she processed and I would listen to her and I'm like, yeah, okay, you're ready. Let's, let's move on. So I think that's important in your book is not trying to rush through it, okay? You don't, there's, there's two sides, there's the pendulum, right? You know, like you don't wanna just rush out something that's a piece of garbage because that defeats the purpose of writing the book as an entrepreneur. On the other end, you don't wanna drag it out so long you get into analysis paralysis where you've gone through the book 50 million times and you're still changing it because it's never perfect. Well, it's never gonna be perfect, so just accept it. Uh-huh. but you know, there's that balance in between where you take the time to do it right, but you get it done. How do you know that right spot as an entrepreneur? You get a mentor and a coach, <laughs> 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 right? You've got, have, yeah. you've got to, When you've got that accountability, whether it's, you know, you're working with a ghostwriter or whether there you know, there are such things as writing coaches, you know, and their job is just to keep you on track and remind you and help you and support you emotionally through the process. You know, but you, you do, like you said, you, it, you need that help and support and putting that accountability in place really makes a difference to getting your yeah. book out there and getting it out there successfully.
1: Yeah, I, I'm, I'm a huge believer in accountability or growth partners. And so that makes sense.
0: Yeah. So Ryan, any last thoughts to share before we close off the second episode? My only thought is, is just give
1: encouragement to the, to the audience. We li- you're listening to this because you, you want to have either want to be an entrepreneur or you're our entrepreneur or you're an author or both like it is lonely it is hard but you're doing what very few people in the world have the courage to do and so I just want to encourage you to keep going keep grinding keep on trying to create the life you want to live put people around you to help you and encourage you find a board of mentors find a mastermind find coaches to help you get there and understand what do you do what is your secret spot sauce?
0: What is your mastery? And then be an expert at that. So Ryan, how can people get a hold of you if they've heard this and they're like, "Oh, I've got to find out more about this, Ryan."
1: <laughs> uh, well, the best spot is probably the website called theintentionalday.com. Um, that is where you can buy the book if, you, if you're interested in that. I give away a free um, audio, uh, a free ebook version of that which talks about the science I discussed today but doesn't have the written workbook in there. Um, so you can download that for free and read that if you're interested. You also can find kind of anecdotes and thoughts and other stuff that I post on Instagram with me, and it's at ryan.performancecoach.
0: Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Ryan, for being on the show. It has been an honor and a pleasure. So this has been Ryan Bennett and Kim Thompson-Pinder on the Author to Authority podcast. Thank you so much for listening, and we will see you on the very next episode. Bye now. Thank you so much for listening to the Author to Authority podcast. I have a free gift for you. I'd like to invite you to download a sample of my newest book, Author to Authority, coming out this year. If you enjoy the podcast, you will enjoy learning how becoming an author can change not only your life, but your business as well. Go to www.authortoauthority.com forward slash free dash sample. So that is www.authortoauthority.com forward slash free sample. Have a great day and stay safe.